This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Alright guys, welcome back to That's So Fringy Podcast. Um, I'm Rick. I'm Kristen. And I'm Bethany. And uh, you know, we're just here talking about those fringy topics in life and um, we just wanted to have a conversation with you guys tonight. Um, There's some things that we do want to get accomplished though in this show, um, starting with um, just talking about... um, Genesis 6, as we promised. Genesis 6, mm-hmm. a favorite topic around this household. Mm-hmm. And uh, after we uh, get it through the Genesis 6 topic, we're also going to talk about things like um, some of the some of the references that we uh, found this material from so that you can uh, follow along and look them up, uh, do some more of your own research. We'd like to provide to you guys as many... Um, helpful tools as possible. So there's going to be a list of those in the show notes. And then um, we're going to go over a a new thing that we wanted to start called um, the unteachable moments. The unteachable moments is basically these things that you hear at church or these things that you hear online um, about the Bible. uh, And it's completely not true. Or it's completely out of context. Yeah, you find that it's not... Um, in the context, you find it's not even close to referring to what they think it's referring to, but they blast it out there for all of the uh, internet to see like it's truth. So we're going to unteach some of those <laughs> truths, if you will, in air quotes, and uh, we're going to reteach them to you guys with uh, what the Bible's actually saying there. So hopefully you'll like that, but we'll get to that at the end. Um, so we want to have a little section. To explain to you guys, I know we kind of touched on it last time, but um, explain a little bit about trigger words and how how they were designed to make you feel something negative, positive. However, it was designed to make you feel something. So as we go through, you know, this episode, you're going to hear, you know, the book of Enoch and some of this stuff that's going to make you some people have very strong opinions about it. But I want you guys to just hang with us because this this was designed, trigger words were designed to make you feel this way. Mm-hmm. So just try to smash that down and keep listening, stay focused, and I promise you'll feel something. Yeah, because it has to it has to do with MK Ultra. Bethany knows a lot about this. She's yeah. all about the MK Ultra. Yeah, I'll do a, a quick little Reader's Digest version of MKUltra. Um, it was basically a program that the CIA designed. Um, they brought Nazi, they brought scientists over from Germany, Nazi scientists. 
And they ran experiments on people, on everyday people, on a lot of military people, and they would program them with certain songs, certain phrases, certain colors, um, and they would have trigger words. So a, a general could come up and say, orange is the new black, mm-hmm. and that would trigger the soldier or whoever it was to go do whatever job it was that they were programmed to do. So we'll dive into that a little bit more later on, I think, but that's kind of a, a quick version of what MK Ultra is. Yeah, it's funny that you said the, or, the as that phrase, the orange is the new black, because I was thinking of that movie uh, Clockwork Orange, oh, which yeah. is directed by Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. <clears throat> we'll talk about him probably more later. But um, Clockwork Orange, I mean, if you've seen that movie, they put this guy in a movie theater. They have his eyelids taped back, yep. and they're just showing him all of these really graphic and crazy images, and they're pumping, pumping him through uh, full of drugs I never saw that movie. You didn't see it? No. Oh, yeah. I'll have to That's, catch that, that movie. One. It's it's intense. Yeah, you should watch that if you haven't seen it, um, yeah. because that's MKUltra. I mean, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into this in another episode. Obviously, we'll take a deeper dive and, and bring some more research and stuff like that. But just if you go to the show notes, I'm going to put in there. It's just a fun little exercise. Just go to the CIA's website. It's their own website, and it's the link I've provided and it's a Freedom of Information Act document that somebody asked for. So anybody in the United States can ask for documents from the federal government because of the Freedom of Information Act um, that they passed in law. So, so you can ask for these documents. Well, somebody did, and this uh, link will take you to CIA's own website where they had to admit um, and, that and MKUltra that was, MK a thing. was a thing. And they did it on purpose. Yep. Yep. So follow that link if you don't believe it. Um, it's right there on on mm-hmm. uh, their own website. But we'll move on from there because we know that uh, that's going to be another fringy episode. That'll be another episode or two or <laughs> ten or twelve. Just <laughs> well, what I wanted to get into for this week um, in 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 talking with these ladies, these beautiful ladies here, we got to talking about um, the. The they, you know, last episode we started talking about they're doing it to you on purpose and that's exactly where they want you. And uh, I wanted to kind of clear up the they. Who is this they that we're talking about every time we say that? And and it's kind of a twofold thing. That's why you'll see that this is uh, the number one episode. There's going to be a part two. So uh, stick around for that one next week. But uh, this episode, we're going to be focusing on the they in the Bible, because on this podcast, we believe that God is king and uh, the Bible is true. And there's a lot of truths that we can find in there about where we come from and how we were created and all of those things. And so when we when we read in the Bible that, you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of the air, we're talking about these entities that we're going to introduce you to tonight and these are the the problems that you see in your life right now are a byproduct or a symptom of these bigger entities that are spiritual and so yes we're going to be talking about some spiritual things tonight if you can handle it um, however i'll preface with saying me and bethany grew up in the church all the time 
And I didn't know about the divine council until five years ago, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. It was it was a a new I mean, I knew there was angels and demons and all of that. But I I I, and granted, I probably slept through a lot of my Sunday Mm -hmm. school, but I didn't know that there was a divine council and I certainly didn't know what they did. Right. Yeah, me neither. I think actually I learned what the divine council was from Rick. Hmm. Um, kind of let me know what that was all about because I was like, "Why does God need a council? He's God." Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Sure. But he wants a council. Why wouldn't he want a council? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tell people when I talk about the divine council, and I'm gonna try to lay it out for you guys in the way that I understand. And and there's uh, in on the. Uh, show notes I'm going to put the resources um, the people that have taught us you know because we we all are disciples and we have people that are discipling us and we we pick our teachers sometimes and they teach us the things that we need to know and uh, and we know that these uh, teachers are teaching us well because of who they are where they come from what their pedigree is and their character really if you if you pay attention to these people, read through their websites. Um, Dr. Michael Heiser is one of them that is highly respected, and uh, he's a you know over twelve years of of uh, being a professor. Um, he he knows the Hebrew um, text like nobody's business. He understands ancient um, worldviews and things like that. And, and customs and yeah, and his perspective is is that when you read the Bible, you have to read it as if you are there. Mm-hmm. Think like they would think. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, for those of you that are familiar with the Bible Project, um, Tim Mackey is another one that I've learned a lot from, and uh, he actually learned a lot from Dr. Michael Heiser. And for those of you that don't know, Dr. Michael Heiser is actually the one that looks over the scripts for the Bible Project. So for all of you that are enjoying the content that's coming out of that Bible Project movement, which I think that that's what it is. It's a beautiful movement, um, Mm -hmm. teaching people the Bible in a very uh, palatable way. But anyway, going back to Psalm uh, 82, 1 through 8... Um, Kristen, could you pull that up and read it for us really quick? Yes. So we have Psalm 82, 1 through 8, which, which is actually the whole chapter. It says, God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Okay, so let's go back up to the top there, and it says, God has taken his place in the divine council, in the midst of the gods, and that's where the record scratches, and everybody's like, what? Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, what did he just say? In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. And and then he goes on to say some other things, but I think that chunk of verse right there is kind of Mm mind-blowing and you have to ask yourself like what what is this saying to me you know and I think we all understand that there's a heaven and there's a hell and then there's where we live here on earth but like when you really break that down like what does heaven look like what is heaven and 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 how many beings live there right now you know Mm -hmm. like does God have um 
a family in heaven and a family on earth that he's trying to create. You know, I think that's what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that there are lots of other spiritual beings and uh, they, they call them Elohim. And Elohim is just another word for spiritual beings. It's, uh, it, it's a plural word and it can be used singular as well. Actually, Dr. Michael Heiser says that the most of the time, the when it's used in the in the Hebrew in the Bible, that it's Elohim is singular, but when it's used here, um, it's it's used plural the second time that it's used there. So the big G at the beginning, God Elohim, it's the big G singular God, and then it says takes his place in the divine council in the midst of the little G gods which would be Elohim plural, he holds judgment. So there you're, you're noticing that in the original language, they understood it because that's who it was written to. They understood it in their language as meaning that the God of the universe sits down. He's the creator of all things. Now, this isn't, this isn't uh, preaching pantheism. This is still monotheism, but you have to see it the way that they saw it back then. God is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the King of kings. He's the creator of all things. He has many names. He is the word. He is the, uh, you know, he is all things, but all things decided that he was going to create one day, and he created heaven and earth, okay? And when he created heaven and earth, he populated both of them. I mean, that's what the Bible is telling us with all of these other spiritual beings. Um, when when an angel comes into, into the world in human form or onto the earth, um, he announces himself as an angel. He looks like a human, but when he shows up to Mary, he looks like light with, you know, or Ezekiel or all of these that have seen these spiritual beings. They say that they're magnificent and bright and all of these different things. So we know in the Bible that they're there, you know, but what, who are they? What are they? And all of that. And that's kind of what we get into with this council. There's a hierarchy there's, you know, there's the ones that are down lower, maybe just messengers and, and uh, just doing tasks for God. And then there's the ones above them who are, who are the leadership over them and making sure those tasks are getting done. And then maybe you have kind of like an army, you know, ones that are overseeing this and overseeing that. And so if you think about how God works with us, he works with us and he chooses to use us to get things done on the earth. So that same line of thinking goes for why wouldn't he do the same thing in heaven? You know, logically, that's the mm -hmm. next step or conclusion that you could make is that God would take heavenly beings, set up a hierarchy and make a council that he decides uh, we would uh, disseminate out into the, the world and they would be the ones that are overseeing the day-to-day processes, if you will. So there's other places that we see these um, beings. Um, Daniel 7.10, as an example, we're not going to read all these. Um, Deuteronomy 33, 1 through 2. Um, if you remember in Job, for those of you that have read the Bible, um, Job 1, 6 through 12, we have 
the divine council being there and um, God asking Satan if uh, what where he's been and he said he's been roaming to and fro on the earth and he says have you considered my servant Job that scene isn't just a a story a magnificent made-up story that God has a council and Satan was in the council and he was asking or God was asking him directly what he's been doing and if he's considered Job so we know that the council exists and while we're speaking of Satan we should probably clear some things up with him too because as we go along we're going to be mentioning Satan and you know a lot of people don't really even understand Satan you know he's not living in the underworld where there's this pit of fire and he's red all over and he's got With this horns. curly mustache horns. yeah horns tail pitchfork all these things those are those are from dante's inferno this is imagery from man-made texts that help you to understand that that's what he looks like he doesn't look like that okay he's a heavenly being which means he's beautiful and full of light but his character on the inside is corrupt and bad okay so you could come into contact with satan tomorrow and you wouldn't even know that it was him because you're looking for a pitchfork and he's wearing a dress suit you know it's you never know um when you're going to be entertaining angels um the bible says so you guys have anything to add on any of that well i mean going back to even just the beginning of the bible when adam and eve are in the garden and they're tempted I don't think Satan was probably this ugly, terrible-looking thing. I mean, we know a serpent tempted Eve, but I imagine it was probably beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, why would she... Well, and if you think about it, if Satan comes as something that's ugly and despicable, nobody's going to entertain it. They're going to be like, "Uh, no, thank you. I'm not buying what you're selling. But So the other thing that was interesting to me when I was looking at this is that Satan is not his is not a title it's not a name or it is a title it's not a name so the devil's name is not Satan I don't even think in the Bible that the devil or Satan has a proper name I don't think it's ever given one because I think that's the point of Mm -hmm. that's the point of it is that God doesn't want to give him a title because he's not deserving of a title at this point because of what he did yeah, and so some of you are thinking right now, like, no, I've read it in the Bible. His name's Lucifer. It says right there, mm-hmm. his name's Satan. That's not what it's saying in the original language is what we're saying. In the original Hebrew, Satan is actually Asetan, and that's the adversary or the, the you know, the one that is against you. Um, the accuser or the plotter. Yeah, yeah. It's an accuser of, of things. And then um, there's also in the Greek, it's uh, Satanas, which is the accuser. And that is that is a title that this being, this um, fallen rebellious being has because he is, uh, he is the accuser. That's mm-hmm. what we see in Job. Yep. He's right. accusing Job by saying, and he's accusing God even. You yeah. know, he tells him, well, he would... He would be uh, as good to you and to people. He wouldn't have such a beautiful life if you didn't have your hedge of protection around him. And he would curse you to your face, he says. And that's that's an accuser. That's a plotter. Somebody that's just sticking a knife in somebody's back and saying, how does that feel? You know, he's he's demonic is exactly what he is. But uh, to move on from there, um, in the Psalm 82... 
1 through 8, the title that is used for the, um, for the, the members of the divine council is the sons of God. And that makes sense because if you think about um, how man is referred to in the Bible, it's it's the son of man. That's that's who Jesus was. He was the son of man. He that that is almost a title as well. So if you hear son of man, you should think human. And if you hear sons of God, you th- you should think supernatural spiritual being that lives in the supernatural world. We need to reclaim the supernatural part of the Bible. We need to remember that these that God is a supernatural being, that that we don't he doesn't live here on our earth. He's not he's not part of our realm. He's outside of all of that. And so we have to understand that there are others that are like that as well. So for some of you that are hearing this for the first time, we need to remember that. And also going back to the beginning where we talked about the trigger words, when you, when he says supernatural, people think like the TV show Supernatural or Ghost Hunters or right. all of these things that are kind of these goofy made for TV shows that, that we're oh, not you, talking you about ghost like hunters. Programming? Oh, like a TV program? <laughs> <laughs> a television? Television. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, yeah. What were you saying? So it, yeah. So you're gonna think like uh, the Bible's not paranormal. It's just a book about things that actually happened, but it is paranormal, meaning it's not normal. If you look at the bookends of the gospel, you have a baby born to a virgin, and then you go to the end and you have Jesus raised from the dead. I mean, what it doesn't get more supernatural than that? So all these all these people out in the world that are interested in the supernatural, but they, so they watch these ghost hunting shows and not, not to say, I mean, I watch them too Guilty. sometimes, but not to say they're bad, but there's so much more supernatural stuff in the Bible than I ever thought of growing up. Like I just didn't realize. Yeah. I mean, the, the very idea of supernatural is the Bible. I right. mean, Jesus walked on water. He calmed this, the sea and the winds and the waves. I mean, he was able to do these things because he was God in human flesh. And I know Uh that that isn't a very popular thing to say, but that's fringy to me. You know, if you can't say that to the world, then what can you say? Uh I mean, our whole calendar starts on the day that Jesus was born and goes on from there. Give or take a couple years. Um, <laughs> sorry, just trying to be scientifically accurate on this podcast. Okay, so I mean, if that if it's that mo- monumentous of a moment in time, we put that much. So maybe this guy is more important than we know, mm-hmm. and we need to be paying attention. And it should be okay for us to say he was supernatural. Yeah, God is supernatural. And there's going to be some weird stuff going on that we don't understand, but the Bible is full of it. Mm-hmm. And we're going to hopefully bring some of that to you. And we're ma- we've made it. Now you yes. understand those things. You understand so, those characters. We've kind of wrapped up the idea of, of Satan, yep. Lucifer, the devil, whatever you want to call him, the adversary of, of that character in the Bible that we've cut. So we know who that is. So why don't we talk a little bit about the watchers? Oh yeah. So the watchers, they come into play in the book of Enoch. Mm -hmm. And I know that for some people out there, the book of Enoch can be controversial because it's not in the Bible. 
but it's it's a tool to use and you obviously weigh that against the bible because you know that's your ultimate truth but so the book of enoch explains a lot about what the watchers are yeah and I get it, you know, it's not canon. It wasn't put into the Bible. It's not part of the 66. I get it. But there is a lot of relevant information in it. And some say that Jesus might have been referencing it in Matthew 22. That's up to, you know, debate still. Um, I think that he is. Um, Jude appears uh, to quote it in Jude 1, 14 through 16. Um, I mean, if you look at Enoch 1, 9, and you look at that from Jude 1, 14 through 16, you can line them up and it's almost word for word. So Jude appears to be quoting from it. And it does, it, I mean, it really explains some things that are kind of left out in the Bible. Um, and so what it talks about in the, in the book of Enoch is that there are these watchers. They are these um, beings that are supernatural. Um, they are th- the ones that kind of watch over the world and they make sure that everything down here on earth is going well. They work for God. They are not God. So keep that term, the watchers, in your mind. I'm going to read a little bit from Genesis 6 since that's kind of where we're going with this episode. Um, It says, when man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of man and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. Yeah. That's in there. That's a mouthful. I don't remember reading that in Sunday school. So remember earlier when Rick was talking about the sons of God, that should ring a bell that he's talking about something celestial. Mm -hmm. Because those were the sons of God. And then later on, it says that they came into the daughters of man. So that should remind you of his earlier statement and then know that he's talking about something human there. So we have a celestial being and a human being coming together and making children. And those produce something crazy. Yeah. Supernatural even. Yeah. So is that even possible? I mean, how does a celestial being that is supposed to be living in heaven, how are they going to earth and, and mating with, I mean, wouldn't they, it's, it's almost like trying to mate with a, a lightsaber. You right. know, they're just like pure energy. That sounds pure, painful. But yeah. if you think about it, several times in the Bible, they talk about the angels coming down in human form. And mm-hmm. obviously Jesus, who is celestial, he comes down in human form. So, so they have the ability they to can. come to earth. Right. I mean, yeah. Jesus walked the earth. He ate. He peed and pooped i mean all these things oh that we that we have to do here on show. earth <laughs> so they have to be able to take human form and this obviously kind of confirms that that they have to be able to take human form they have to have certain human functions in order to to do this act that they've done 
Yeah, I mean, how outside of the realm of possibility is it that supernatural beings have supernatural abilities? You right. know, I mean, they can do mm-hmm. these things. They can become humans uh, in human form. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, that verse I quoted earlier, you know, you got to be careful who you're dealing with because you could be entertaining angels. I mean, at, at any time there could be one. So um, we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. The book of Enoch doesn't tell us whether they were... Um, coerced into this relationship um, or if if it was a trick or if it was a willing thing we don't know that part yeah we don't know if the daughters of men knew that that these were celestial beings when they mated with them but what we do know is that these celestial beings we're going to call them the watchers they knew what they were doing they they it was purposeful fact they did in fact mate with the women which then in turn burst Nephilim, Mm -hmm. as we know, yeah, which is probably another trigger word. Actually, I mean, I didn't even know what a Nephilim was until two years ago. Yeah, and again, thirty years in the church. So yeah, Yeah. we got to start talking about this more. Yeah, we really do. And so, if you want a reference point for the Book of Enoch, um, it's Enoch six one through eight, and it actually talks about the rebellious watchers having a meeting on Mount Hermon and they devise a plan to get back at God by messing with the human genome. Uh, they plan to deceive and impregnate the daughters of man and make, uh, they made themselves an oath together where they said, we are going to do this together to get back at God because they had been banished from heaven. Uh, they weren't able to return to their realm, their celestial realm. And so they are stuck here. And so all they get to do is look at us stupid humans walking around and realize that the one thing that God loves is his humans, his creation. So what are we going to do? We're going to mess with it. We're going to mess up the human genome because um, that's how you really get at the heart of God. And the and the watchers, you know, they, they talked, if you think... Nobody in any of this can create anything besides God. So the other Elohim, the other spiritual beings, they can manipulate things, but they can't create from nothing. Only God can do that. So if they're upset with God or they want to be God, then what better thing to do than take something that he created because he's the only one that can do that and and mess with it and, and, you know, try to try to. Which is where we're at now in 2023. We're, yes. we're being messed with. Yep. Yeah, a little bit, I would say. <laughs> so that brings us to the Nephilim. Who are these offspring of these celestial beings and these uh, human women? Well, it says in the Bible that they are the Nephilim. They are the men of renown. They are these... Uh, mighty the, men. The mighty mm-hmm. men. The original language is uh, Gigantus, I believe, mm-hmm. something like that. I believe that's right. And that translates into giants. So, um, if so you... Nephilim, mm-hmm. giants, all these things are, are words we're probably going to use in future episodes. So we're trying to give you guys a good foundation of what that is. So a Elohim and a human mating together are a Nephilim. Yep. And then if you get an Elohim and an animal mating together, that's a chimera. Correct. So. In case we talk about a chimera one of these days, you'll, now you'll know. 
Right. Okay, so you've got these Nephilim, these giants roaming the earth. And we know that that's true, that there were giants roaming the earth because we've all read um, in the Bible or we've heard the story of David and Goliath. Mm -hmm. And Goliath was a giant. And it was David, little David, running around with a slingshot that hits him right between the eyes and drops him down. And then he cuts off his head. And that's because the Bible is metal. It's, I mean, if you guys haven't read this book, I'm telling you, <laughs> this isn't this isn't your grandmother's gospel. Ooh. Okay? Hashtag, this isn't your grandmother's gospel. I'm talking, if you get into this book, you're going to... You're going to read a story about a guy that dies and a whole bunch of worms come out of his stomach. I mean, there are some metal, weird stories in this Bible. But getting back on track, the Nephilim were these giants that were running around the earth. And when God brought his children out of Egypt and he brought them to the promised land, it was Moses that sent out his spies. Uh, 12 spies and they went over and they spied it out and they came back and they said god was right moses you were right it's milk and honey it's beautiful it's the greatest land but we got a problem there's giants on the land of course right if if we're paying attention to how the bible's going it's the watchers the 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 rebellious angels the rebellious uh, elohim that come down and want to mate with the daughters of men so that they can mess with God's creation. And by messing with them, they make these giants. And where do these giants decide out of nowhere to inhabit? Well, if I'm going to mess with God, I'm going to go to the promised land. I'm going to stake my flag in it, and I'm going to say, this is where I'm going to live. And God says, no, it's not. That's my holy land. And I'm coming to take it from you. So he takes his people into the wilderness and he tells them, stop complaining, stop whining. I've got a job for you. And he wants them to go and take the promised land back. Well, when those spies come back, they're shaking in their boots yeah, because they don't want to do it. They're like, these giants are big. They're out of control. There's it no can't way. Be done. It can't be done. Well, if you continue to read the Bible, the whole conquest section of the Bible is about that. Israelite people, God's people, going and taking out these giants. And have you ever read one of those stories in the Bible where God says, I want you to kill all of them. Man, woman, child, leave nobody. Animal. Animal. I leave nobody behind. But if some of the people run out, then they can go ahead. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wait a minute. You just told them that they could kill everybody. And now you're saying that the people that run out they can go. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense. It's because he's talking about giants. Yep. Kill all of the giants. Mm -hmm. The giants, they're the cancer of this world because of the rebellion from these. So when you start putting all these puzzle pieces together, the Bible, the overarching story of the Bible begins to connect Mm -hmm. for you. And you, if you think about giants, you think, oh, they're just big people. But these weren't just big people. They were evil because they're you know in essence their fathers were corrupt i mean they so they were evil and they Mm -hmm. think of how much extra food a giant has to eat and then you know they were insatiable so then they're eating humans i mean all of this stuff that's like okay these things can't stick around or god's creation was going to be destroyed yeah yeah so going back to genesis where these giants were taking over 
the land. They were mm-hmm. doing exactly what Kristen was describing. They were eating people, eating each other, and the world was dark, covered dark. in So when those darkness. guys went out and saw that, they came back and they were like, uh, buddy, we can't do this. Sorry. But it, yeah. I mean, it must have been just, just ter- a terrifying sight. Yeah, the whole um, flood narrative mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the Bible. I mean, we're talking about this is Genesis 6 that we're talking about tonight. And it's Genesis 8 when God destroys the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. why did he destroy the world? I mean, the second half of Genesis 6 is talking about the flood. Oh, it is? It's oh, crazy. yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. right below. I mean, it's it basically right just walks right into it. It does. And so. it tells you exactly here. The ge- there. These are the... I'm um, sorry. Where is it at? Um, so the, this is when he's, he sees the darkness and he decides to tell Noah, you know what? You're a, you're a good man and I need you to build this ark and take mm-hmm. your kids and take their wives and take one of each animal, a male and a female, and... Build this giant ark because I'm flooding the world. Yeah, and it, I, it, as far as I know, it's the only place in Scripture where it says any that the Lord regretted that He had made man. It actually like made him sad. It grieved him that He had made man because then he he saw what was becoming of them. Yeah, but the good news is, is after the flood, Noah makes it through, and there is um, there is a rainbow that we mm-hmm. get to see in the sky now. He, he promises that we're never going to have to deal with that again. But then what happens? We get more Nephilim. So there's a huge debate on how we have more Nephilim after that. Right. Cause, well, and also you can't, you can't talk about the flood without talking about what happens to the Nephilim when they die. Right. Because it's my understanding that the Nephilim, they're half celestial, half human, mm-hmm. which means they're not allowed back into heaven. They've already, there's no place up there for them anymore. But they don't have an earthly body anymore because it's been destroyed in the flood. So what, what happens to their spirit? Where do they go? They're kind of stuck mm-hmm. here. And that's where you get the term demon. That's where you, that's so you you guys can explain a little bit about like yeah, that's where hell comes into the yeah, Bible, right? Because yep. God God says that He creates hell for Satan and his demons, mm-hmm. and a lot of people are scared of hell, which they should be, because that's where a spirit goes when it's been cast out of heaven or where it cannot be um, within the the holy confines mm-hmm. of where God is going to reside. And God's idea in the Bible is to have heaven and earth reunite that's what eden mm-hmm. was supposed to be so when he in the end of days when he reunites heaven and earth that's where everybody's going to go from now on like mm-hmm. for eternity and so we have to remember that but these these demons are disembodied nephilim that are half breeds and they um so they have the ability to inhabit a body right right but they don't so but they don't have their own body because right. it's been destroyed so so they can take over a human host mm-hmm. they need a host they have to have a host in order to and apparently when jesus was on the scene he was he was casting these out of right. of people because they were a human host so how does a human host that that already has a spirit how does how does that other spirit come in and reside with and in in the case of the guy in the cemetery that was chained up um there was a there was a lot of them in fact a legion yeah. of them so 
so do we know how that works or I mean I my understanding is that you have to give permission mm-hmm. but we think of permission as like you know the HIPAA privacy policy at the doctor's office it's a bunch of words on a page and it's like da 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 da, da, da and then you sign the contract but if you think of it in the spiritual sense you know, it's it's basically just making a bunch of small comp- compromises, and mm-hmm. then you're slowly giving permission because you're giving permission for some of these things to enter into you by watching pornography or you know having affairs or all these other things that you know we're not called to do because you're allowing that that demon mm-hmm. a, a little bit of permission, and that's all they need. Yeah. They don't need they don't need a signed written HIPAA policy, right? Yeah, and they're not all in human hosts. I mean, they, they're all around us. We, we mm-hmm. may not see them, yeah. but they're but around can us. Can they be in, like, technology? Like, can they be in a phone? Could your phone be a host for a demon? Or does it have to be something living? See, we don't know. Don't know. We don't know. Don't How many know. demons are rolling around? Troll demons are running around. No kidding. Everywhere. They're going to be commenting on this very podcast. <laughs> Probably. Your so ears welcome. are burning, demons. So welcome, all you <laughs> welcome, welcome, demon welcome. haters. Um, so anyway, getting back to it. So we now we have talked about the Watchers, Celestial Beings, Elohim. We've talked about how God is God over all of it. All of that. So that doesn't. this doesn't negate him from being the one and only God. Moses says in the Shema, O Israel, our, the Lord our God is one. That is still true. He is the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Three in one. So the other question I have is, in later on in the Bible, when they're you know building the golden calf, and you have all of this stuff that comes onto the scene, they say he says, "There thou shall have no other gods before me." Mm-hmm. I always assumed he was talking about other gods, as in like things and mm-hmm. other, you know, like the golden calf, and you know that's all what I always thought. But it never dawned on me until not that long ago that is he talking about the divine council? Thou yeah. shall have no other gods before me. Well, yeah, he's so not that talking takes about us... a golden calf. He's talking about the divine council. Well, that brings us back to Genesis and to talk about the Tower of Babel or mm-hmm. Babel. This is where mankind came together and said, we are going to build a tower to God. And they were basically, mankind was making the same rebellion mm-hmm. that... Um, you know, that the watchers were, which is a suspect because they're doing the same thing that the watchers had done. And as we explained earlier, we know that after the flood, we have the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim, which translate that into demons. And they're on this earth to corrupt God's creation and to mess with us. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very suspect that now all of a sudden God's creation, mankind is doing the same thing that boop, we go back to, Genesis 6 and the watchers did. I mean, who do you think is tickling the ears of these these men to build a tower and and lead the same rebellion that the watchers had already done? Possibly yes. the watchers. Yes, yeah, so if you go back and you read that story, you'll find that God is talking to the watchers. He's talking to the divine council cuz so there's good watchers and there's bad watchers, obviously the right. rebellious watchers, and then there's still watchers, Elohim. So he, God goes to the council and he says, this is not good that man is coming together like this and making this tower. And and the reason he's saying that is because when they when everybody comes together 
and and shares all their ideas and everything like that, especially when they were fallen as they were, they are making this tower that is um, basically saying to God that we want to we want to be God ourselves. Yep. We don't need you anymore, and and that is clearly not what God wants. You know, He mm-hmm. wants us to follow after Him, to trust in Him, to realize that we have He has all of our uh, needs in mind, and so. At the Tower of Babel, he takes away all of their, or he he babbles up their languages, and he says, "You're gonna you're gonna basically scatter across the earth now." This is the scattering of the people. How mm-hmm. everybody went from continent to continent, and then if you continue reading in the story, it says that he put gods, little g gods, Elohim, over these different continents, these different people groups and so that's how we have all of our different people groups and we had these gods that were over all of them which are the little g gods the elohim and so these gods found this power that they had now uh, ruling over them and every time they would do something for their people their people would worship them well instead of taking that worship and pressing it you know where it belongs to god and saying no 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 this goes here and redirecting the people and saying no 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 God is the one and only true God, he, they would take the worship for themselves. Yep. And then they would start teaching them things that they weren't supposed to be teaching because God hadn't ordained it. He hadn't given permission to do that. So they were teaching things that they weren't supposed to teach and they were giving things that they weren't supposed to give. And a lot of that is, you know, like black magic and um, all of these different occultist ideas um, that enter into some places that you shouldn't be going. And that also opens up the door, practicing those occultist things that the Nephilim, or the, I'm sorry, the Watchers taught back um, during the time when they were ruling over the nations. Um, that's, that's the type of stuff that God didn't want us to do, the occult practices. So when you do that, you're opening up to these demonic Watcher forces, Okay. And the Book of Enoch um, goes over that a little bit more in depth, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It kind of talks about what what it was that they did bring down here, um, other than just magic. They brought, you know, pharmacia. They brought uh, makeup. They brought all kinds of things that, mm-hmm. you know, there was a reason God didn't want us to know those things. Yeah. Um, so, again, going back to what their goal is while they're here it's to destroy mankind so why not why not let them in on the secrets of of the heavenly realm yeah right and and probably a lot of those beings knew that humans with this knowledge could do terrible things i mean that you know we're we're yep. we're a sinful people so yeah. that those watchers were probably like hey if we just show them how to mix these plants together they can make heroin and then they knew that humanity would take care of the rest that's all we needed was a yeah. little push yep and hey if we put a bunch of makeup on them and make them look really attractive then oh other guys are gonna look at them and i mean it starts this whole lustful thing that you know they knew that humanity would just pick up the ball and run with it yeah well to kind of wrap this because you know we've gone we've gone through a lot of information again there's information in the show notes you can go back to to reference verses in there that you can reference we've kind of done the whole gamut um so i know that there might be more questions we will dig into some of these topics a little deeper but just to kind of wrap up so you've you've got these spiritual beings you've got the nephilim you understand the demons and uh, now 
you know, we're going to go back to what we said at the beginning. What the title is of this is who are they? Well, these people or these spiritual beings, these rebellious spiritual beings are the the principalities and powers that Paul in the Bible was talking about. You're not wrestling against these men, these humans. You're you're wrestling against the ones that are either embodying them or influencing them in some way because these are the real supernatural powers mm-hmm. that run this world. So and and even in the Bible they talk about these giant races of men like the Anakim and the Raphaim and all these people and but you got to think of what's embodying them. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know. Yeah. Well, yes, they were fighting giants back in the day, but they were also fighting this principality that they right. they were not prepared to deal with. Yeah. They were not. But and they we're did. not and we're not equipped to deal with it. We don't even understand all the all the ways that these that these um, spiritual beings are influencing us. Yeah. But the the good news is is that God did help them mm-hmm. to take care of the Anakim yep. yep. and the Rephaim. They they were able to uh, you know take the the promised land back, and God was found to be you know ultimately more than yep. uh, than what they were able God to wins. handle. God always wins. <laughs> yeah. There's also more with um, Dr. Laura Sanger. She has she's she's got a bunch of information on the Nephilim and kind of how they and why they came to corrupt the human genome. She's got a, she's got a lot of information. She's got a website. I think it's no longer enslaved.com. She's got same thing no longer enslaved on Rumble. She's got a series you can watch on there. I think it's on YouTube. Um, but Dr. Laura Sanger is very, she's got a lot of information on the Nephilim. Yeah. And she really breaks it down. Yeah. I mean, our goal here is to really educate you guys um, and give you little nuggets to go then research yourselves and hopefully understand the characters of the Bible a little bit better. Um, it is a story, but it's a story that did happen. So mm-hmm. I, again, 30 years, no yep. idea. No idea. Nope. no idea. And I've always been, you know, kind of drawn to the supernatural, kind of drawn to, you know, that, that stuff. I always feel like I've been kind of sensitive to it and I just love it. And I had no idea how much of this was in the Bible. Yeah. And it was right in front of my face, like my whole life. Yeah. But you, you kind of have to have somebody explain it to you, break it down. And it has to make sense or you're just going to kind of gloss over it, skip over it and just be like, eh, I think I'll just read the new Testament. We don't need to go through all the other stuff. Yeah. But it really, you know, it makes, it makes the Bible make sense. Mm-hmm. It makes the Bible, you know, one, you know, seemingly coherent message all the way through when you have all the right pieces mm-hmm. yeah. and like the book of Enoch being not a very red book. Um, you know, it takes away from some of this knowledge that, that other people have had and, and have either had it hidden or mm-hmm. or they've um, downplayed it to be like, oh, that's not in the canon, so it's not biblical. It's like, well, these guys are quoting it, so it probably has some merit. You know, they've yeah. read it, and and this is their this is what's like Dr. Michael Heiser says. This is what it is to go back to their culture, mm-hmm. yep. like we started with. You know, this is their mindset. This is what they believed. And so if we read the Bible in that context, it begins to come alive and you, uh, the scales fall off of your eyes, if you will, like Paul, um, when he finally realized and put these pieces together and said, mm-hmm. oh, I 
get it now. Uh-huh. I get it now. Yeah, yeah, one of those aha moments. So we're going to switch gears and we're going to go back to the unteachable moment. Bing, bing, bing. Bing, bing, bing. Yeah, we need like a little. I know. Blah, blah, blah. blah. No. I think you got it right that there. That might have been. That yeah. was it. I'm going to just capture that and <laughs> Done. use that. Okay, so the unteachable moments. This is, uh, you know, Kristen was talking last week about her phobia for wearing uh, ripped jeans to church and how... She wore them today, yeah, by she the way. Did. I, did. I did. And they were black, like demon pants. Demon. <laughs> I wore black ripped oh, jeans God. to pants. It's, uh, this is the confessional Lord, portion. Lord, forgive us. <laughs> yeah, so I was, I was on the internet... And I was going to log into my email, and you know how you get those news uh, articles that just come up, you know, on the first mm-hmm. main oh, page, yeah. just, yeah. you know, from Yahoo and whatever, MSN, all of these different things. Well, one came up, and it was all of the forbidden things in the Bible that you didn't know about or something like that. And so I was like, well, this should be fun. And so I went through there, and it, I was like, I don't know, 13 deep or something like that, 14 deep. And it came up with this one that said... <laughs> That it's forbidden in the Bible to tear your clothes to wear ripped jeans, and I was like, and they specifically had a picture of ripped jeans. Yeah, and I was like, what? (laughs) This is hilarious because this is exactly what I'm talking about. You take a verse out of context, and then you can apply it to anything that you want to if you have a creative mind. But the the verse that they quoted was Leviticus ten eight and six. I'm sorry, ten six. And it says, do not tear your clothes or you will die (laughs) and the Lord will be angry with the whole community. So So I brought my whole community down with me. You can imagine the tears that were flowing down my face after I was laughing so hard from Kristen (laughs) saying that. Because I mean, just the con, do not tear your clothes or you will die. And Lord will be angry at your whole community. I mean, Kristen. What have I done? But I mean, we have to really, when you're reading the Bible, you have to put things in context. You have to say, okay, what is it that they're talking about here? And there's this practice in the Bible where they tear their clothes when they're grieving. And you can see this many, many times. Everybody, uh, you know, you lose a child or something happens that's, you know, you're in famine. Or Job, as we were talking about before, when when he lost all of his children, he lost his house, everything, he tore his clothes. Like it was mourning or grieving. Right. Or yes. anger or a combo of all that. It was a strong emotion. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so this is in Leviticus, as we uh, cited, and this is talking about the high priest. Mm. So this is saying the high priest that God was setting up, which is the head priest, he had to wear a special garment, and he wasn't allowed to mourn and rip his clothing. That was just a, a rule that God had. And I, I'm sure that God has a meaning for it. I mean, the thing that came to me was just the fact that he had God. He was the high priest. Mm-hmm. He really had nothing to mourn about. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's almost like Jesus said, you know, why would you mourn when I am with you? Mm-hmm. Like we, I'm here. You know, that's the, that kind of idea. Don't You don't need to rip your clothes. You have God. Yeah. And so it's interesting that that would be the verse that they use because it's talking about the high priest, the one person that can't do it. It has nothing to do with the congregation or the people coming to church. But there is one more interesting thing that I want to add to that. When Jesus um, is with the high priest and the high priest is asking him who he is and that type of stuff, and Jesus basically tells him that he is God incarnate. He 
the high priest rips his garment in front of Jesus because of what he said. And that is an interesting connection that you can make, if you will. Well, For those that piggybacks that on Jesus coming and busting open all the all the stuff, yep. the, all the rules that they had. Yep. He came all in and said, Meh, nope, don't need that, don't need that. Yep. We'll get into that later. We'll get into that later. So that's part one <laughs> of who are they. We made it to the end. We did everything right. Probably Thanks not. Thanks for hanging with us. Thanks for hanging with us. Again, as we said, we're going to have everything in the show notes. Yes. Um, do follow us on Instagram. Follow us on all the socials. We're on Telegram now. Mm-hmm. Uh, still working on the website. We're probably going to have merch eventually. We're yeah. going to have sweepstakes. We're going to give away cars. Shoot Kristen <laughs> out of a cannon, probably. Ah! But uh, we don't know. There's lots of things that we could do. But we there hope that you come back. Maybe some ripped jeans in there. Mm. Yeah. We'll get down some ripped Enough jeans. with the ripped jeans. I already feel terrible. Yeah. Your whole community. <laughs> My you. whole community. And so next week, we're going to move on to the next. So we've kind of explained in part one, who are they as in the spiritual side of things. So in part two, we want to kind of go over who are they in the physical world. So there's a lot of things in there that are going yeah, to get, the puppet gonna get are. crazy. Now we want to know who the puppets are. Yes. Yeah, we know who, who who's doing the spiritual side. Now we need to know who's doing the earthly side. So we're going to get into some bloodlines and some some crazy stuff. It's going to get frenzy. It's going to get real freaky. All right, you guys. Be good. Stay well. We love you. Bye. Bye.